When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor, FightfulMMA.com. If you missed out, you can still go over and check all the results, all the coverage of UFC 236 over at FightfulMMA.com. We are here every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, with Showdown Joe, myself, and James Lynch for the Fightful MMA podcast. But uh, James is actually on assignment this week. He's got commentary duty. We'll hear from Showdown Joe on Tuesday. We'll hear from James on Tuesday. You're stuck with me right now. But let's talk about this UFC 236 uh, show. I'm not going to waste your time. It's past 1.30 a.m. Eastern. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into this. It is... uh, Quite quite the night. The the ups and downs of having a show at this hour. Uh, Brandon Davis submitted Randy Costa round one. This was a blast. Davis got tagged a few times in the first round and dished out some of his own. Uh, this was a good test for his chin at the lighter weight, at Bantamweight. But he said that he was 160 pounds in the cage. He took on, uh, or he called out Sean O'Malley afterwards. The audio kept messing up here uh, on, on ESPN+, Plus, but... Uh, he honored Costa's fallen teammate, which I thought was very classy. Pollyanna Botelho defeated Lauren Mueller. This was not a good fight. Uh, Botelho landed a brutal body kick and for some reason followed up by clinching. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, that didn't make a lot of sense to me to go that way. Uh, the last two rounds was uh, Mueller trying to regain her. It was two rounds of Mueller trying to regain her breath. Then one round of her trying to win the fight, but Botelio edged it out. This was not a good one. I thought this would end in the, uh, within the distance via submission. Not such the case, by the way, guys, leave us a thumbs up. That stuff really helps subscribe. We are on pat- platforms everywhere, but if you're watching right now, it's probably on YouTube. So, uh, subscribe to our MMA channel. We have interviews. We had an interview with Israel Adesanya before the show. James Lynch does a lot of incredible stuff. Follow him at Lynch on Sports. Follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Montel Jackson, unanimous decision over Andre Sukumtoth. I thought that Sukumtoth's experience would play a role here. It didn't. Do not watch this fight. This fight was uh, not so hot. Uh, Montella outclassed him for three rounds and kicked him in the ball sack once. Jackson has won two in a row since debuting against a far more experienced Ricky Simone. So uh, we'll see what's next for him. Bilal Muhammad, I have some things to say about about this, and he actually tweeted me about it. Uh, He defeated Curtis Melinder. Melinder is a a pretty big task to defeat the way that he did, but the, the, the thing on Bilal Muhammad wasn't 
questioning his ability or his talent. He's a talented guy. Uh, he's a very good fighter. But the issue is he's stuck on fight pass. And he's stuck on fight pass because he's not having exciting fights. And it didn't help when he had four straight decision wins, no fight of the nights as a result, uh, or in those fights. Then he loses a fight. Now, that's not going to get you off the fight pass prelims. This fight isn't going get, to get you off the fight pass prelims either. He just wrestled uh, Melinder and didn't really... I don't want to say he didn't work to finish him because I'm sure that he did. But this... Finally, Muhammad had took it to mount towards the end of the fight, but he strikes me as one of those people that UFC will try to lowball in contract negotiations. And I tweeted that, and Muhammad said, Nah, man, Ali Abdelaziz is my manager, which is a very good point. But he's now won five of his last six. And when he stepped into the UFC, his fights were way different. I mean, when he when he was in Titan and Hoosier and Bellator and all that stuff, he had lots of decisions, but he stepped into the UFC. He had that fight of the night, a loss against Alan Juban, and he had a TKO win against Augusto Montano, and he lost via KO really quickly to Vicente Luque. And I don't know what it is. I can only suggest that maybe after those three exciting fights, he found himself one and two. And you don't want to find yourself one and three in the UFC. Decided to fight a little more safe. And as a result, he's won five of his last six. No finishes, though. Oh, man. Uh, he, he's got a lot a lot of time, but he, he doesn't fight like most of the people at um, Rufus Sport. That's for damn sure. Khalid Todd just seared Boston Salmon. <laughs> Cracked him, smoked the salmon, a left hook dropped him. That was filthy. Check that out. You had Max Griffin defeating uh, Zalim Amadaya via unanimous decision. I love that the ref immediately took a point away for grabbing the fence. Shout out to that ref. That was great. Uh, Griffin swarmed but had to keep his distance or else Amadaev would crack him with all kinds of spinning shit. Uh, round two went in Amadaya's favor, and Gra- Griffin kind of gassed out, but but held on and won. The highlight of the prelims, and quite frankly, the highlight of everything below the main event and co-main event, was number five, Alexandre Pantoja, starching number four, Wilson Hayes. I think Wilson Hayes is probably done in the UFC He's lost four of his last five. He'll get picked up by one FC or Ryzen or somebody like that. But it doesn't last long. A couple minutes in, at Pantoja straight uh, puts Hayes on his ass. And Pantoja is four and one. He's not going to get that title shot. It's going to be Formiga or Benavidez or the winner of Formiga versus Benavidez. But he's a, he's a nice emergency policy. I would put him on the same show. If you do a flyweight title fight or you do a flyweight contender fight, I'm putting Pantoja on that card too for a couple of reasons. One, if you're the UFC from a business standpoint, you can pare away the division a little bit. I fully expect the uh, the lightweight division or flyweight division just to be who loses leaves. I, I think just that's probably the way it's going to end up being. And uh, I'm not going to say that that's a good move. I think it's a bad move, but... I think that's what they're going to do, and you can pair somebody away that way, and if Formiga or Benavidez fall out, you have somebody to, to step in there. Matt Frivola outlasts Jalen Turner. Frivola was really rabid with his attack. I didn't think it was going to end well for Turner early on. I thought he was going to get submitted, but 
He's able to get up, land some strikes, gets taken down again. Uh, Frivola found success on the ground, but got swept. Uh, there are an awful lot of bad guillotine attempts from both sides on this fight. And then there was this nasty illegal up kick. And this is a real product of, I, I believe it was Mark Goddard, not being able to look at the replay. Because Mark Goddard said that it was innocuous and grazing. There was nothing grazing or innocuous about that up kick. It was an illegal kick. Jalen Turner's knees were on the ground, both of them. So when when I look at that, I'm like, ooh, that's nasty. Um, Okay, one, it was an illegal blow. Two, it was intentional. And I say it was intentional because what can you just look at something, someone going absent-minded and saying, oh, well, because they they weren't aware of their surroundings and uh, and, uh, that doesn't cause a point to be taken away. A point should have been taken away. Ultimately, it didn't matter because Frivola won 30-27. But when, when something like that happens, you can't just say, oh, well, accidental innocuous grazing. The man threw that. It landed. It was illegal. He knew what he was doing. Hmm. I, and somebody says Jalen should or should challenge the decision. I don't think he should challenge the decision just because it was 30-27. If this ended up being 29-28, then yeah. If I were Jalen Turner, I would challenge it because that should have been a point taken away. And the difference is a loss on your record as opposed to um, a draw. All right, let's talk about it. The reason why a bunch of you are probably here. Nikita Krylov defeated Ovin St. Prue. I cannot believe this was a top 15 UFC light heavyweight fight. So guys, if you all watch the Fightful MMA podcast, you probably know of a character who I'm friends with, my best friend, quite frankly, Nikita Krylov fan, a fellow by the name of Corey Cropper. He dials me up on Thursday and he says, guess what I'm doing Saturday? And I go, what? He goes, taking a last minute trip to see UFC 236. And I was like, oh my God, Nikita Krylov fan is going to get to see Nikita Krylov. Not only that, Nikita Krylov fan got the fist bump from Nikita Krylov. Mm. This fight sucked so bad. (laughs) I mean, from a technical standpoint. My prediction was OSP Von Fluing Krylov. And hey, the man tried it. Krylov put himself in position a couple times. It was able to wiggle out. But OSP went for it by the looks of it. Krylov got, got up after a takedown and peppered OSP with some good body kicks. I, I do like uh, Krylov's technique on the body kick. Thought that was very good. Was actually uh, rather impressed by that. The punches, ugh. And I'm ready to cancel MMA once I see Krylov take down OSP. Getting in a rear naked choke. Hey, man, I'll eat my words there. Krylov picked up the win. And uh, my I got five on it picks. Didn't do so hot this week. But Krylov, yeah. yeah, His thing was he came into the UFC. He had an up and down. uh, He had, I think he went one and one at, at heavyweight. Had a decent light heavyweight run. He went like five and two. And then fought in Russia and the Ukraine for a while and did really well. And the UFC wanted him back. So now he's back and he's he's just not good. 
even in victories, he's just not good. Ugh. Somebody says, if a guy's in full guard and his knees aren't on the ground, why can't he be kicked? His knees were on the ground, his being Jalen Turner. Hey, good for Krylov, man. He's probably going to somehow crack the top 15. And, I mean, all things considered, he probably should. Because when you look at it, he's like 6-2 and two in his last eight. So, for based on what they have, yeah, sure. Why not? Rock with it. See how it goes. Ugh. Dwight Grant technically defeated Alan Juban. Man, this fight sucked. Dwight Grant countered because Juban was pressuring instead of cutting angles. Grant threw some wild-ass punches to start round two. That's as exciting as it gets. These guys are punching air. Dwight Grant moving backwards an awful lot. They get a giant chorus of boos. Juban was not happy about losing that. He flips out. He's stomping around in the cage. He's livid. Uh, Nikita Krylov fan told me that he like wouldn't leave the cage for several minutes, and it just sucked, man. I mean, you got a 30-27 one way, and then that's just the way it is. And you're, we're talking about Alan Juban, who's now lost three of his last four. So, yeah, probably right to be upset. But, oh, man, he ain't hitting the title picture anytime soon. Wasn't going to anyway. 37 years old, is not putting together um, a lot of great performances. I mean, the Ben Saunders fight was great. Uh, he got the KO and all that, but besides that, it's been rough for Alan Juban the last two and a half years. The Mike Perry fight wasn't too hot. The Gunnar Nelson performance wasn't good. The Nico Price performance wasn't good. So, I mean, they're, they're keeping him around. I don't think he's going to get cut or anything like that. So, <laughs> I, I do think he should have won that fight. I do think that it's hard to say anybody gets robbed in a fight like that, you know what I'm saying? Because the fight sucked. Nobody did a whole lot to end up winning that fight. But when you look at media scores, it's right down the middle, Grant and Juban. But the the fan scoring has it 75% Juban, uh, 26%, or 73 to 26 in favor of Juban. It's just, man, you, it, it's like the Brendan Schaub-Andre Arlovsky fight. You're going to have a hard time conjuring up a whole lot of sympathy out of me for that fight because it sucked. What didn't suck was Khalil Roundtree's performance against Eric Anders. Now, this is the Khalil Roundtree that people were saying, watch out for him, man. Anderson Silva, Leoto Machida's prodigy. Uh, he They're mentoring this guy. Take a look. Roundtree put the pain on Anders. Now, when I see Anders, I'm thinking, a nice 2017, but he's just not on the level. He's just not there. Now, do, do I think that he should have earned or been given that, that Machida win? I do. His, his first year in the UFC should have had him, honestly, there should have been a year period where he won two LFA fights, including the middleweight title, beat Sapo, beat P- Perez, and beat Leoto Machida in about, pff, I don't know, 11 months. But since then, it hasn't been hot, man. Ever since the Tim Williams fight, it's been rough. 
Um, he's had he, he I think he's gotten in there a little bit too much. Uh, right after that Tim Williams fight in August, he got right back. In- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. In there and fought Tiago Santos and got stopped and jumped up to light heavyweight when he did it. He turns right back around, cuts a bunch of weight to get to middleweight. Elias Theodore outpoints him, and, and now he's right back at it. I, I, I really think that that Tiago Santos fight and that quick turnaround really changed him because now he's lost four out of five technically. He's lost three in a row for sure. That fight, man... He got the brakes beaten off of him. Roundtree had some outstanding kicks. Uh, Anders got dropped four times in one round. Oh, boy. And when you look to Khalil Roundtree, or you look at Khalil Roundtree and what he's done, he technically has one loss in his last six fights. One of those decision losses was overturned after his opponent popped for Clomiphene. So, yeah. I'm looking at Khalil Roundtree and I'm saying maybe the guy put it together and losing Johnny Walker isn't something I'm going to hold against Khalil Roundtree. It was an outstanding performance. It was an outstanding performance for Roundtree and a miserable performance from Anders. And Anders' corner should have stopped it between rounds two and three. It was embarrassing. It was a situation that wasn't bad enough for the referee to step in and stop, but it damn sure was enough for Anders' corner to step in and stop. What are you doing? What the hell are you guys thinking? He couldn't get anything off. He couldn't make anything work. Nothing was happening for Anders except for shortening his career, making it harder for him to walk, adding another day, week to his recovery time. That's all that that third round accomplished. That was miserable. Khalil Roundtree really, really has turned it around. We're talking about a Khalil Roundtree who, hey, if you want to, if you want to count that Alexa check loss against him in December 2017, that's okay, man. I get it. Some of you all don't care about PEDs and all that stuff, but man, pop for clomiphene. I'm I'm striking that from the record. Striking it from the record. As far as I'm concerned, Khalil Roundtree has won four of his last five, with that one loss being to Johnny Walker, who's beaten everybody. Now, before that, we're talking about him dropping two fights to open up his UFC pro career. Uh, We're talking about him getting tapped out on the Ultimate Fighter, him being a really, really inconsistent guy. He was like two and three in his first five fights, if you include the Ultimate Fighter. And hey, I even said it on the last show, man. I, I wasn't ready to throw out that Alexa check uh, fight because of how and he can't put together three wins in a row. I think he's he's at a stage where he can. Will he? I don't know. I could see Khalil Roundtree fighting and beating the living shit out of Nikita Krylov. That's the fight to go to. Roundtree, Krylov, book it. Give it to me. 
All right, let's talk about it. Interim UFC middleweight championship. I'm not going to pull up the highlights here because I don't want UFC to to demonetize our video. We got to pay the bills at Fightful, but they are up at FightfulMMA.com. Check them out. Leave a thumbs up if you're watching the little clip we put up. They're there. Link is in the description below. Israel Adesanya defeats Kelvin Gastelum in an all-freaking-timer. There's a giant size advantage for Adesanya. It's monstrous. So when I see this, I'm thinking Gaslam really missed out on his opportunity in facing a smaller middleweight in Whitaker. And I think that Whitaker is going to run into some trouble with Adesanya as well. Gaslam shuts me up, though, by getting inside and cracking Adesanya, scooting him on his ass. Round two told a different story. Gaslam remained aggressive. Adesanya slipped really well, but dropped Gaslam with a great punch. The uh, body kick to the punch counter was really there for Adesanya. Israel cracked uh, Gaslam with a huge spinning back elbow. Uh, Round four was back and forth. Both men landed well, but Gaslam rocked him with a head kick. Uh, Gaslam tried to take Israel down, ate a head kick of his own. And then it's all down to the fifth round. I really thought that this is uh, what it all came down to for Israel Adesanya. And as it turned out, it did. This is going to be a 48-47 maybe fight. Yeah, 48-47. It came down to the fifth round. And in the fifth round, Israel Adesanya pulled away, man. Israel Adesanya finished with a 10-8 round. That was fantastic. That was unbelievable. Adesanya grabbed a guillotine, got taken down, but almost locked on a triangle and ended up sweeping Gastelum. As a result, the next several minutes are Adesanya beating the brakes off of Kelvin Gastelum. This finishes with a 10-8 round for Adesanya. Amazing. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum gained a, a giant measure. Like I, I respect that guy so much now. I looked at him and I was like, all right, he beat Jacques Ravi a split decision. Fight of the night, great fight. Beat Bisping, performance of the night, awesome. But he hadn't fought in 11 months. I was like, what's he going to bring? He brought it. And before that, he had lost to, to Weidman. Weidman never gets in the cage anymore, so I don't know how the hell to feel about him, or at least doesn't very often. I could see them uh, possibly running back uh, Weidman and Gaslam in the future. One of those guys got to win, but Gaslam, I respect that guy an awful lot. Israel Adesanya, guys. 13 months ago, or not 13 months ago, uh, 14 months ago was debuting in the UFC. 14 months ago was debuting in the UFC. What are we looking at? Performance of the night, finish over Rob Wilkinson. We're looking at a a fight against Marvin Vittori uh, that a lot of people were like, oh no, maybe maybe the hype isn't (laughs) all it's cracked up to be. Wrong. Brad Tavares, performance of the night. Derek Brunson, finished him, performance of the night. Anderson Silva, fight of the night. Kelvin Gastelum, title win. Israel Adesanya moves to 17-0. Now, he's got a lot more miles on him than a lot of people do, but I think he matches up very well with Whitaker. Whitaker has some good wrestling. And uh, if any of you are our longtime viewers of the Fightful MMA podcast, you know that I was singing the praises of Robert Whitaker very early on. I thought that him not cutting weight was going to lead to a great measure of success. 
Um, I, I even when I worked at another website, I spoke about how how I thought that he was going to be something special. And even by the time that we launched Fightful, my God, we were taught we were he was four zero. And I remember the Brunson fight. I was like, this is a future champion. He can do it. I think he's met his match in Israel Adesanya. I, assuming that Whitaker tries to wrestle Adesanya, because the thing is, uh, Whitaker typically holds his hand, his, his lead hand really low to stop under or to, to get under hooks in. I wonder how he's going to fight against a guy that isn't a grapple first guy. I mean, he's fought Yoel Romero. Jacare Souza, so some real good grapplers. He ain't got to worry about that with Israel Adesanya. He's looking at a guy who's going to really try to pepper him from the outside. I think that size advantage is really going to play in Adesanya's favor, but we'll see if Adesanya, if Whitaker can get in the cage. Something people forget, Whitaker's younger than Adesanya. <laughs> Whitaker is actually like a year, year and a half younger. Adesanya put on a great performance. He looks natural with that belt. He is a star. A star. You got to get this fight going. And it's got to be in Australia. It's got to be there. Man, this is a great one. Up next, Dustin Poirier defeated Max Holloway to become the interim UFC lightweight champion. This was awesome as well. And Dustin Poirier just did it, man. Uh, initially, I kind of had this scored like a draw, but honestly, this was a close fight. They they both found a, a great measure of success in in different ways. But Poirier tried to measure Holloway, got clipped, and Holloway unloaded. But the same sequence then happened to Holloway. He slugged it. He slugged to get out of it, but Poirier was landing heavy and often. I'm I'm not sure how Holloway was standing in that first round. Poirier connected anytime he wanted and dominated that round. Holloway was getting in here and there, but his shots weren't doing much. And Poirier was landing so heavy and so often that it was probably a 10-8 under the new scoring. Poirier in round two already looked like he was slowing. Holloway stepped it up, but Poirier turned it on and clipped Holloway multiple times. There was a great standoff at the end of this round that you have to see. Just amazing. Uh, the size discrepancy was evident, even though Poirier had fought at, at featherweight prior. Max held his own, man. <laughs> Poirier did slow down, especially in round three, but still the reach of Poirier really affected Holloway, especially off the counter. Poirier was able to just lean in and kind of touch Holloway and, and push him back a little bit. Poirier then played in Holloway's game. Active and in the middle of the cage is not where you want to be, especially when you're Dustin Poirier and your output is slowing down. And his output was slowing down. He wasn't throwing the volume that Max Holloway was. Now, you could definitely tell that Max Holloway's power was not as significant at lightweight. Now, it's primarily volume and accuracy over power for Holloway anyway, but Considering the fact that he was standing right in the middle of the cage with Holloway, he being Poirier, and Poirier was able to just pepper, 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 and then throw to the body. Ooh, man, that was something that, that really paid off for Holloway, and I thought he was going to end up pulling off and winning this fight. Then there's the big knee that lands for Poirier. He had landed a takedown in round four early, but it was pretty clear that Poirier was cooked. 
he lost that round. But that big knee that Poirier landed, I think that one saved him. I think the big knee from Poirier that busted up Holloway's nose and put that cut above him, that may have saved him. It affected Holloway's output. It it affected the cardio. It affected his win. In totality, when you look at this fight, Poirier won it. And I I don't think that's a debate. Nature of the scoring system, I had it a draw. However, I could certainly see 49-46 Poirier as well. I could see Poirier winning three rounds to two with one round being a 10-8. That being the first round. Dustin Poirier earned this. BJ Penn and TJ Dillashaw, when BJ Penn moved up, TJ Dillashaw moved down for their title fights to try to become champ champ. I think that they looked lesser than. Max Holloway did not look lesser than. He looked overmatched, but he still had that that just not giving a shit added to him. It just added to the aura of Max Holloway and the appeal of Max Holloway. I don't know how many people are walking away from this fight and saying, you know what? Max Holloway's a bum. Not going to watch him fight for the featherweight title next go around. Uh-uh. That ain't happening. <laughs> Reminder, guys, if you submit a super chat, we will answer your questions. Same goes on Tuesdays where we review uh, things over there. FightfulMMA.com is where to go for all of your MMA news. Whoo, boy. People asking, are is Dustin going to get the unification with Habib? I think that Tony has too many personal issues to get that, that unification fight. But man, if he could stay straight, I think he could. But how can you book Habib and Tony with as unpredictable as Habib is, as unpredictable as Ferguson is, and the fact that you've tried to make it happen so many times? Ugh. This was a phenomenal last three fights. Uh, the, the main event and the co-main event, amazing. The Eric Anders withstanding Khalil Roundtree's thing was pretty special too. What matches do I want to see out of this? Well, I want to see Max Holloway go back to featherweight. And assuming that he can make weight in a healthy manner, I would like to see him fight there. I would love to see Conor McGregor against Justin Gaethje or Conor McGregor against Tony Ferguson. I would also like to see Dustin Poirier versus Habib Nurmagomedov. Interim champions got to fight the champion. That's the way to go. Reminder, guys, leave us a thumbs up. Really helps us. It helps people find us. If you're listening on iTunes, even if you're not listening on iTunes, go over to iTunes. Leave us a nice review. Uh, That stuff goes a long way as well. Got a couple of fight cards coming up. Alexi Olenek uh, and Overeem. The St. Louis or the St. Petersburg card, rather. Some decent shows uh, or decent fights on that card. You got uh, Fort Lauderdale, Jacare against Hermanson, Lineker in action, Glover Teixeira in action, Andre Arlovsky, Jessica Panay is back, Greg Hardy, Alex Oliveira, Carla Esparza. Some decent names over there, but I get the feeling that night focus might be a little bit more on McDonald and Fitch. Uh, that fight is coming up. Ben Henderson's in action. Davis versus McGeary. I'm supposed to talk to Davis and Ben Henderson this Monday. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, we're out.
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.